everybody. How are you all doing? Obviously, that was a promotional video promoting today, but we wanted to share it with you just to show you a little bit of the heart of this morning's service. We've got um, some amazing uh, videos to come, some testimonies from carers uh, connected and in our church, and also a beautiful panel of guests coming. I'm really excited about today. We don't want this to be a sombre you know, emotional time, although I can feel the emotions there already, but this is a time for us as a church. Just just take stock and join in with Stand Sunday. Today we've chosen as a church to stand with Fostering Hope in support and solidarity with Stand Sunday. Now, as you can see, Stand Sunday has been something that's been happening in the States for quite some time, and it's fairly new in Australia. And Fostering Hope are doing a great job here in little old Hobart, Um, in just sharing the story of Stand Sunday, where we stand together as a church, standing this morning in solidarity, although you're actually sitting at the moment, (laughs) in support of children in out-of-home care, their carers, and a system uh, which is designed to bring support. Now, we really want this morning to not just be about foster care. Obviously, Dave and I, our story is that we have embarked on a fostering journey ourselves, and we don't want this morning to be about us and our story. And so we've carefully fashioned this morning around a story that we hope causes us as a church to lean into local mission. That's actually what we would love to see this morning. Sure, if you want to become a foster carer, you can, but our role this morning, well, I believe, is not to try to recruit carers and try to talk you into becoming a foster carer. So I just wanted to say that from the outset. As you've seen, uh, I want to be clear that today is not a recruitment drive and it's not a chance simply for Dave and I to share our story. In fact, today is not about David and I at all. (laughs) My prayer is that today we will experience a lean-in and openness of heart, not only to the cause of kids, families and carers connected to out-of-home care, but to the call of local mission. Local families, local trauma. Some of you are sitting here right now thinking, well, that's me, I can put my hand up. And yeah, sure. Local struggles. And it's a, it's a heart that is fast growing among us as a church, I believe. And James chapter 1, verses 26 to 27 says, anyone who sets himself up as religious... By talking a good name is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight. And guard against corruption from the godless world. And Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17 says, say no to wrong. Learn to do good. I can't read this anymore. (laughs) I need little windscreen wipers on my eyeballs. It's all good. I'm fine. I'm an emotional person. Anyone who knows me knows that this is just what you get with me. I start that again. Isaiah 1 17 says, say no to wrong. Learn to do good. Work for justice help the down and out, stand up for the homeless, go to bat for the defenceless. 
As a church, we desire to reach out into our community. We say it, we believe it, and we mean it, and we do, don't we? But we need to ask God to help us to take that first step beyond what we're already doing, which is fantastic. Everyone's doing a great job opening our hearts and ask him to prepare the ground of our hearts in which we will grow in our compassion, empathy, and a willingness to get down and dirty into sometimes the sometimes muck of life. Yeah? I invite my amazing uh, friend to Neil to join me in just a moment. But before that, we've got um, an incredible story, testimony to share with you, uh, which we've been filming for quite some time and preparing for you. And we're pretty excited about it. Uh, So turn your eyes to the screen and enjoy um, our video this morning. We began fostering when our two boys were three and five, thinking we're already at this kid stage of life, um, we can add one more. Thinking we'd have a, about a two-year-old that would just fit into our family structure, to having a newborn, which meant me taking maternity leave and totally restarting at the, the newborn stage of life. We first became carers about six years ago because my sister had four of her children removed from her care. We started fostering after going through a pretty significant grief journey. Andrew lost his father and that hit us pretty hard. Two of the girls came to live with us. At that time in our lives we were pregnant with our third and final child. We had a son and we went from two to four to five kids in six months. You know he lost his father thinking of kids who don't have a father or who had you know struggles with their dad. I don't know that just kind of landed in our laps and we chose to you know, not have any more biological kids, but to, to open our home in that way. That was a pretty significant decision. We have two boys, as um, two biological sons, and we've got three extra boys who have entered our home through foster care. We have three biological kids. Um, and two foster kids who came to us both, both of them at birth, virtually at birth, a few days old. Um, And when we said yes to foster each of them, we didn't know the story. Some of the challenges were really developing a routine around a newborn when you kind of can't really have a routine. But some of the other challenges were stretching ourselves emotionally to give. I I think the hardest parts are the unknowns and maybe the lack of being part of the decision-making process. You know, in some ways we've lived in the unknown for the whole of the eight years we've been fostering. So you step into this journey thinking, like when you have your own children, you don't know what they're gonna turn out like, but fostering is a whole nother level to that. The vulnerability of that can be scary or can be, it's another unknown. It was very difficult growing up in my family. I come from generations of foster care because of family violence. So this is not a new scenario for a woman in my family to have her children removed from foster care. So for our boys, fostering has been a real positive. It's it's shaped their journey. And for them, they don't question why do we do it. For them, it's just, there's kids that need a home. We've got a spare bedroom. Of course they should live with us. And it's them living out their faith as well. So they're proud big brothers. It's kind of just kind of putting your hands open and saying we're willing to be a part of this no matter what it looks like. That's hard. Um, but it's really, um, it's 
it's probably one of the most beautiful things too because you give and give without any guaranteed um, ending of results. Foster care definitely adds a whole other dynamic to your family, not just your immediate family, you, you know, who's in your house, but also your extended family because you're also asking everyone else to accept these kids and accept them into your lives. Foster care isn't... Um, it's not a pretty little picture of the home that you create for these kids to come in and say thank you very much. Um, but the, the, the hardship isn't always seen. My sister lived in another state and I was experiencing the grief of the loss of my sister. Sometimes it was hard to balance and manage my feelings around, you know, is my sister going to come home? Is life ever going to go back to normal? How long are we going to be in this situation? Are we in this situation until the kids are grown-ups? Am I ever going to see my sister again? Are we ever going to have the kind of relationship that I hoped that we have? I like to think of it as fostering needs to be a series of yeses, and those are the things you can control. It's the no's that you can't control. You don't know, you don't know what you're going into. What, what we knew is we knew God was asking us to do it. He was giving us the opportunity to say yes to something that was really different and kind of scary. And I think for me, it's been the no's that have pushed me to rely on God more because they're the uncontrollable things and the things that really push you and challenge you. It's not good kids, bad kids. It's not good behaviour, bad behaviour. It's a different package that just um, is like a rewiring of family. And it does have an impact. Um, definitely on your marriage um, because you're adding a whole other dynamic into the household. It's full of messy, it's full of trauma, it's full of unknowns. I recognised even before I committed to this journey that I needed to be all in and all in meant that at some point I, my heart was going to be really hurt. Right, and I'd do it again, I would do it all again. Um because the hard stuff's really worth it. I don't want the easy road. I don't want to... Um... Restoration is messy, and I guess true empathy is choosing to sit in the bit in the middle that nobody likes to talk about and talk about it. I still had maybe just the desire for a pretty little box of a family, and... Um, and not that foster care isn't pretty, but it's messier and it's different. That's how God works so often when we're in the midst of tragedy and crisis, we don't actually, and we think God's not working for us. We don't know all the other people that need to be lined up and God needs to, what's happening in their lives. The days that I really want out, I think about what out looks like and I don't want that. It's not actually better. I want in and I want in further and I want to do it better and I want to, honor God with what he asked me to do and not shy away because it's just so unendingly hard. <laughs>
and he has a plan for their birth families. And so that trust and reliance in God has grown way more than it ever would without being on this journey. She's grown heaps and so now we've moved into a space where we're going to be walking the family restoration journey with her. It's going to be slowly but surely but I think this is the work I guess if Pete God says you know you want to go out into the world and and be a light for me I think this is the how. I think our support has come very individually from the people in our life who um, have space to to step into the journey with us. I think early on when we had a ba- when we had Rory as a, a few weeks old newborn, um, some of the beautiful ladies from church came around and did things like fold my washing and um, church provided me a house cleaner. The people that have picked up the phone to check in and see how I am, it's the, you know, being a part of teams and having the connections that I do, it gave me something else to look at on the hard days. And it's just been an incredible blessing of this journey to be doing this with other carers. Um, and we've also been really lucky to have our church community come around us. Um, so we're at Wellspring Anglican Church and the church has embraced our kids. Anybody who's coming into contact with children, particularly those in out-of-home care, you're, you're, you're a hero because it takes guts to meet a, a child where they're at and also be aware that you won't always know where they've come from. And God saying to me, yeah, this is what you can do. You don't even see it, but I'm handing this to you as a gift for something you always wanted. And, and you're worried about, you know, whether this story is about you. And here I am giving it to you. You know, it's our mandate, it's our call. God says, you know, to love the widows and the orphans and, you know, like there is no one more widowed or more orphaned than those mums who have lost their kids and those kids who are living in out-of-home care. And I think when he made that very clear to me is when I realised that this is, this is for me to do. This is where I'm called to give. And it's not because I'm good at it, it's not because... I can do it perfectly, but it's because he asked me to. You have to, you have to. You have to be all in, knowing that your heart's going to be ripped open. Yep, and that's what it is. (laughs) It's real. And all the days I want to give up? No, I don't actually. And that's, that's God working, and that's God changing those boys' lives forever, for eternity, and... I'm like, that's the powerful stick. <laughs> yeah. Give him a hand, join me, come join me to Neil. <laughs> wow, what an amazing um, group of testimonies there. You can always watch that again online later. Um, and meet to Neil, who will introduce our panel this morning, sure. the sta- one of the stars of the movie, of the, of the, the video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, good morning, church. Good morning to everybody at home. It is my great honour and privilege to be here this morning to be talking about something that is obviously very close to my heart. It is what, where my passion comes from. It's 
you know, a big part of who I am. And so this morning I'm going to host a panel and we're going to have some discussions about what it means to be a carer in the out-of-home care system this morning. So this morning I've got Jono. Some of you guys might um, be very familiar with Jono. He, um, he he's loves... usually in a onesie. Yeah, he's usually, usually in a onesie. <laughs> yeah. he's, you Actually, know... I'm surprised you didn't wear it, Jono. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I heard, Jono, that somebody has donated money so that you can get another onesie. Is that right? <laughs> It's more than one onesie. <laughs> more than one onesie, excellent. So Jono also serves upstairs with our beautiful kids. And so, yeah, and he has a story himself which he's very generously offered to share with us this morning. And we've got Angelique, who um, some of you may remember or some of you may know. Angelique has had a very significant impact on my life, but she works professionally with kids and families who have been in and around the out-of-home care system. And lastly, and beautifully, we have Senior Pastor Dave, and um, obviously Dave and Alex, um, you guys would be aware, have been themselves on the journey as foster um, carers. So... Welcome, and obviously, Senior Pastor Alex, oh, uh, again, you know, okay. since he's here, I should they be know polite. who I am most I know, I but still. So, um, it's some of the topics, or some of the questions, I just wanted to make a little disclaimer before we proceed this morning. If you're feeling triggered, or if you're feeling um, like this is a bit of a sensitive subject to you, I'm not, we're um, completely around that, you know, out-of-home care touches people by and large in ways that we can't even imagine. So I just encourage you to take a walk, make a phone call to somebody that you love and you know loves you, and um, there'll be tissues around, or feel free to take a walk and get some fresh air. Yeah, (laughs) great. So, (laughs) excellent. So, um... The first question I have this morning is, um, Dave, if it's okay to start with you, um, how do you how, what did you think out-of-home care was before you guys sort of embarked on this journey? What, 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 what were your ideas? Um, I think I, I, I remember um, the... Alex and I both went on a sort of on, on two separate journeys towards it, interestingly enough, um, through, through some different things. And, and then I remember when, when we actually started to talk about it, um, I think I had, I had an understanding of it. I'd, I'd grown up with, with families and people, particularly in the church that we grew up in, in Devonport, and, and, a, and a very um, close family to us sort of were very involved in in that type of thing. Um, and I had a, what I considered at the time a reasonable understanding of, of what it meant. Um, and I remember talking to Alex, you know, about it and saying, well, you know, how, you know, how are we going to cope when we perhaps, you know, have children that would come into our care and, and then they need to move on? And, you know, we talked about all that sort of stuff because I said, that's, that's what it's like. I, I was aware that there was a a bureaucratic process in the background that, that wouldn't always be understood um, and wouldn't always be easy to work with um, from, the, from the perspective of carer. So that's, that was probably my background in it. I, I had that sort of understanding before we started. Yeah, and it is, and it can be a very complex process. And so can I ask then um, what was it about fostering that drew you guys in? 
Are you answering all the questions? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you can answer. You, maybe you go first, Ali. Okay. I, I can tell um, you my journey. Yeah, so for years as a church particularly, we have um, you know, supported overseas mission. And that's um, great. And we should continue to do that. You know, and we should continue to send our money overseas and we should continue to, to do missions trips. But I think um, it was more as we began the training for foster care that it really occurred to me uh, even more that there is so much need in our own community. And we know that, but we just assume that it's taken care of. And we just assume that there's some really you know, great people out there doing great things and that it's all sort of sorted and we live in a, you know, pretty informed society, a modern, you know, our Western culture, a developed nation. We kind of know what we're doing and we've got it all worked out. And I think as I started to get into training, I started to realise that it's not necessarily the case. You know, um, Tanil's probably going to share some stats with you at some point, but there, you know, there are not enough carers to help the children. There's not enough workers to help. There's not enough, um, you know, resource to actually minister to the children in our own, well, virtually backyards. Mm. Possibly not in your backyard, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, and and I, I just started to get a heart and a passion for this sense that well. Perhaps there's something more we can do. It's not for everyone, but that was where my head went. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I I was part of a... Um, it's where God started to speak to me. I, I was part of a, a meeting with um, a government minister, and it was a time when the, the state government were completely broke. Um, and, and and they were looking at, at things, but, but she, she actually showed us um, some, some case studies of people that had... That had come into into contact with um, with different different care agencies and, and, and government agencies, and, and and they were very sort of atypical to what you might imagine. Like like there was one that was a you know a girl who was born to a teenage mum, you know, lived life and became a teenage mum herself, and um, and what they'd done is is they'd mapped out the contact with with all these different. Um, agencies, and, and then they, they put a dollar figure on it, yeah. and it would absolutely blow your mind. Like it's not just uh, it, it, it was not just thousands. You know, we, we're talking this this cost was was up in you know hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars, and and she said, well, we even if we have all the money, we can't fix the problem. Even though at the time they had no money, <laughs> but she said it's be beyond us, and, and and I sort of thought, well, you know, we know we know that in Christ we actually, you know, we have hope, we have future, and, and we actually have answers, and and we can't fix everything, but but here's something that we can actually lean into and make a difference, and um, and. You know that that was that was the start of my journey where God spoke to me. Alex's was different, but we mm-hmm. came together one day. We were bushwalking, and, and Alex brought it up, and it was just interesting that we'd both been praying and, <laughs> and thinking about about that. That's really lovely. So to give you guys some context around the out-of-home care, um, what it looks like in Australia, in particularly Tasmania, as of October last year, we have around 1,300 children in out-of-home care. Um, We don't have that many carers available, so um, that 
that is measured by how many children are living in things like cottage care, kinship care, um, and, and families being supported with respite carers as well. So the numbers as of June 30, 2017, 47,915 children live in out-of-home care across Australia. 1,500 families become foster carers, but 1,700 exited the system, and this represents a net decrease of 200 households. So I think the biggest uh, part of the story is that we just don't have enough care for the need. And, you know, a big part of hopefully what we can communicate is, you know, like we said, we don't want to recruit you, but we want we want to give you, you know, some scope around how can us be the community that it takes to raise a child? Because isn't that what we are as church? Like I, that was part, big part of my story is the, you know, I, the success for the girls living in my house is that I've got a good community with you guys. So thank you. And yeah, so, I mean, and that's huge. So um, Angelique, um, You've worked in and around families and children who have come in and out of um, out of home care. Can you describe to me what it is you do and and how you feel so how you feel foster carers can be more supported or what types of support you've seen have worked? That's loaded. That's a big question. <laughs> um, You're welcome. <laughs> and, and it comes. I come from probably two different perspectives. So I uh, worked many years in youth shelters where basically everyone had given up on those children. Um, and I saw what worked in that setting and what didn't work. I also support families at risk. So what I believe works is it takes a community to raise a child. So you can't do it alone, single mums, teenage mums, traumatised mums, which they just can't do it alone. So the families that have made it and the families that have been highly successful, including teenagers, it's taken the school, it's taken the church, it's taken a whole community. So one of the first things I do with a family at risk is after I address the, the safety concerns, I look at their support network. Often in Hobart, it's almost one person, if not zero. So they don't trust anybody. Um, they come with a whole lot of um, protections and shields because they don't trust anyone. And so, but what I've found with the families that have come together is it's, they've often ended up in a church or in a really great school community and they've been wrapped around without judgment. Yeah, mm, that's great. Um, so, in terms of wrapping around, Dave and Alex, to put it for you guys too, I, I mentioned um, for me some of the biggest supports have been, particularly early on, you know, folding, washing people being kind enough to pick the phone up and um, not scared to have conversations, not scared to ask hard questions. Um, I sort of feel like, you know, that, that was something for me that spoke really loudly in terms of support. And um, what about for you guys? What have you guys found have worked and what hasn't worked? Um, I think it's... Yeah, that, that, that's actually a difficult question. Um, First of all, what has worked, um, what we're incredibly grateful for is, is um, a great family. Um, we've had, you know, incredible support from uh, my parents who, who are just, you know, amazing champions um, to be able to have the, have the capacity, you know, at, even in the, you know, in the stage of life they're in, to have the capacity to, you know, to actually include 
our kids in their world amongst a whole lot of other grandchildren and, and, and to, you know, to, to accept those kids as they come um, with, the, you know, with all that they are. And, and, and you know, really what, what we're talking about here that is the difference between working with you know, kids that... And I hate the term to use normal kids, and, but, but kids perhaps that haven't been through what, what, what some kids in out-of-home care have been through... Is, is we're talking about trauma. And, and trauma response means that, that, that they don't act in a way that is socially acceptable. <laughs> they, they don't act in a way that is easy for parents and carers. And they don't even act in a way that is easy for a church community. Mm. And, and, and I think that means that the support directly... Um, isn't for everybody. It actually takes mm. um, people that, that actually have some experience and some understanding um, to be able to engage with that. So we've had great support from our family. We've had great support from Alex's family. So that's probably been our initial major um, support. I think we've had we've had amazing sort of prayer support from our, our church community, and we've had had a church that have been tolerant to, you know, to, to watch us, if you like, bring up kids um, in the middle of ministry on the, on the front row where uh, we've actually got conflicting goals at times in, in those moments. And, you know, we're very thankful for, for you guys and our community in, in making the space for us to be able to do that and, and, you know, embracing those children into your world and your community. Mm-hmm. So that's been a huge support. Mm. Is there anything you'd like to add? No, I think he's... He's done well. Beautiful. So lovely Jono sitting here on my left. Um, do you want to share us a bit about your story? I grew up... Um, I grew up uh, in foster care. I actually moved into foster care when I was eight or nine. Um, my father passed away from a heart attack suddenly and mum got diagnosed with a variety of mental illnesses, so she wasn't able to take care of us. And so we got moved into a home uh, very young. My sisters were each three years um, younger than me. And it was, yeah, it was, it was sudden. I didn't have time to sort of process a lot of things. If I'm honest, I probably have processed <laughs> things in the last year or two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Um, and I spent a year in a home in Queenstown. Um, don't actually remember too much about that home. I do, yeah, um, it was interesting. I'll leave it at that. And then we moved into a home in La Trobe and I will point out there was a massive difference in community and the love that we got um, in, in that home. Mm. Um, and that was a massive difference for us because, as has been <laughs> said, kids come with a whole heap of stuff and the kids don't even know <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Their parents barely know what it is. Yeah. No one actually really knows what it is until it comes up. Yeah. And then when it does come up, you know, you're forced to... You have to have a response to what that behaviour is. Mm. And what works best is love, but love is not 
simple and easy in those moments because Man, it's... Man, I know that. <laughs> it blindsides you. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I'm still walking through things that have come up from my broken yeah. past. Yeah. Which is, mm. yeah. So can you share with um, the church audience today and for those at home, how has that shaped your faith? <clears throat> I, from the moment I've been in the home of Latrobe, I've always been given every opportunity. From going from no opportunity next to no opportunity, I have been given every opportunity to be loved, to do things that I wouldn't have even dreamed of um, outside of this loving home. And whenever I was able to... I was always able to choose something, whether it was sport or extracurricular things like I did a lot of acting singing and I actually um got involved in a church community um in Gateway Church in Devonport and I um that that started that really started my faith but I think before that um a big thing was because of all this brokenness that you you don't see I was hiding an awful lot of stuff and I can't even articulate now how much brokenness I caused in the family to get me to the point that I was at and I was faced with the possibility of going to another home and I knew what like I knew that what sort of unknowns that meant and I remember going outside and I was completely broken and I didn't have a relationship with God and I remember but I knew I knew in myself he was there, but I didn't. I hadn't experienced him or anything. And I remember praying a very simple prayer. I said, "God, if you're out there, I don't have this. I am completely lost." And I can only say, by the grace of God and the love of the family that I was in, I did not lose that amazing, loving home, which I had no reason to be in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I think from that point, I've just been given every opportunity to get involved with church communities. I've just been loved throughout the whole process. Beautiful. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Give him a hand. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. So, one of, so one of the things um, that's come up a fair bit as a foster care, kinship care, a foster care, or something I hear all the time is... What do the kids call you? What do they call me? They call me lots of things. They do call me mum. Um, they call me Annie Neal. They call me other things too. So <laughs> anybody who knows them. So, um, so Jono, what, what did you call your foster, your foster parent? Did you have one or two? I actually was blessed enough to have three. Oh, wow. Um, and so I, I call them grandma and granddad. Um, and they had five. They have five kids, um, and one of their kids still lives with them. And and I called her Auntie Kate, so we called her Auntie Kate. And that was for us that were sort of older. Mm. Um, they, but more often than not, when when younger kids came in, um, Auntie Kate was mum to yep. them. But Grandma was always Grandma. Yeah. Granddad was always Granddad. Yeah. because so. it's important for kids to be able to identify not only with who they are and and who they're supported by and building an attachment and connection with, it's important for them to feel like they belong. And I think that's something that I've learnt solidly throughout this journey is, Mm. you know, um, yeah, it's important to have clear boundaries. But Angelique, 
you, you, would, you would understand working with this cohort um, just how important like who you are is. Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything that you wanted to add? Um, in regards to like boundaries, is that what you're oh, meaning? Or like... like even just how people are building like their identity around. Yeah. yeah. So what we know is when children are removed, um, a lot of their identity is in who, which family unit they're in. Um, in their attachment to that caregiver, whether that was good or bad or mediocre or something happened that meant that mum could no longer care, like in Jono's case with mental health is a common one. Um, kids need to relearn who they are, and that's quite hard if the new family unit they move to is completely different to what they're used to. And so what we see a lot is when a child is removed and put into a different... You'll see a lot of arcing up of behaviours, um, sometimes disassociation, um, and I was just talking to Alex about sometimes when the brain starts to heal, we actually see more behaviours because the neurons are starting to join together and everyone's like, it's not working, it's not working. And I'm like, it actually is working because the brain's actually firing up again. Yeah, that's so true. And like Dave and Al, like you guys would have seen it, like you would have seen that back and forth with development, um, you know, just as kids are healing. So healing's messy. Like I, I know I shared on the video and for you guys at home, I know I said that the restoration journey is messy and it truly is because you have to do this whole rupture and repair process over and over and over. And sometimes it can be hard to pick, can't it? Mm. Like, you can have like a run of really good and then you're like, oh, here we go, back to square one. So I think it's important for, um, for everybody to be aware of that, that, you know, we, we, it's, so, it's a cha-cha. It's the biggest cha-cha dance I've ever done in my whole life. Would you agree with that, guys? Yeah, definitely. And yeah. in the moment of that trigger or that behaviour or whatever yeah. you want to call it, in the moment, yeah. it's almost as bad as it gets. Yeah. But then in the aftermath, yes. you can see that. Yeah. And you calm down and you calm the farm and you, <laughs> you actually start to see the... Pro and then you look at a, the bigger picture and you yeah. start to see progress. Yeah. But it's, it's pretty hard for everyone, including the child, when they're yeah. having those moments. Because I think it can be easy to misconstrue bad behaviour with bad child. I think, yeah. you know, I, I, I tend to steer away from you naughty. I think, mm. you know, um, mm. yeah, did you guys, how, how did you guys manage when, you know, it can be a fine line though, like let's be real, it's a fine line between <laughs> man, you're pushing it and <laughs> me trying to build compassion and empathy around trauma. <laughs> you know, in terms of being trauma informed, like yeah, I can really understand mm -hmm. that it's not very black and white, is no, it? No, it's not. It's yeah. not. And there's, there is an element of there behaving, you know, misbehaving. Yep. There's usually an element of that in the mix of it all. Yeah. But to be able to actually be um, big enough to step back from that, at least to a level emotionally, yeah. and um, then help the child that actually this is a trigger, actually this is trauma, actually they're not a bad kid. Yeah. Actually. Um, it, but it's much easier said than done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think for me too, um, having to... You know, I, I was brought up in a, in a particular way, and I guess all of us, all of us actually, that, that family of origin and the way that we've understood things being done is your, is your reference point, yep. whether it's good, bad, or, or, or indifferent. You know, and, and I'm very thankful for my upbringing, but, you know, I, I started probably from that reference point, and it just didn't work, <laughs> with all due respect to mum and dad. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, because we were dealing with something really different. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and, I, and I found with, with particular 
trauma stuff that, that you know, you sort of confronted where it was at and, and, and there was no end to where it could escalate to. Yeah. Like, absolutely no end. <laughs> and, and so, you know, and, and for my personality and my who I am, mate, that started to trigger me. And, and you know, I had to, I had to really make some, some big adjustments yeah. in, 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 in my understanding of that and my response to that and, and the way that mm. um, I've walked through that. And um, and it's just I, I think I think um, you know that for me um, I, it, it's still it's still not the hardest part of foster care, <laughs> uh, but but that for me has has been the thing that that actually I've had to had to learn on the run <laughs> and, and and get my head around, and we're still learning and yeah. we're still working it out, um, but you know that's. It's just the way it is. Mm. Yeah, and I'd agree. A lot of it is flying literally by the seat of your pants. Like, I don't know if you've seen me, but um, I, I definitely don't have it all together. I'm definitely learning day by day, even nearly six years into the journey. There are things that can can wobble me off balance and can be really confronting and conflicting and lots of things at the same time. And mm. Um, I think we've covered everything today. Is there anything that anybody would like to add for um, these guys here and every anybody at home? Is there anything, any partingness that you'd like partingness. to... Partingness. I just made a word up. I, I do that. <laughs> um, I really pray that today is more than... As, as, as weighty as this is, what we've shared in our own journeys, I really pray that today is even bigger than that for us as a church, that we can understand perhaps a glimpse. Dave's going to close in a moment. And a glimpse of perhaps, you know, how, how our response to uh, people and to where they're at and people from all walks of life, people from all ages, not just people in out-of-home care, people in, in all sorts of situations. Mm. Um, I'm just really... My prayer, I guess, is that it changes us somehow, even today... Not, you might not sign up to be a foster carer. That's not our goal necessarily. You can. I know Fostering Hope would love it if you do. Yeah. Um, and you can come and talk to me about that. They're having an information night on the 22nd, Tuesday right. night, 22nd. Come and ask me if you are interested. But that's not necessarily the goal of today. It's just yeah. that, that leaning into the possibilities of, of bringing, uh, being that hope in our community, mm-hmm. um, being that point of, uh, yeah, I can't think of the word connection in our community but there was another one that will come later three o'clock in the morning I'll text you all uh and so <laughs> Dave's Dave's going to uh, just bring a close now and close the online in just a moment yep. too yeah excellent fantastic well thank you to Neil uh thank you Jono and um we're really proud of you Jono yeah. um you know, to, to walk the, the journey you have and, and, you know, and to be sewing in, making a difference and continuing to walk that, that journey out, whatever that is, we are really proud of you. Well done. And, and thanks, Ange. Thanks for your, your experience. And, and, and I think for us just even having, having you in our, in our world and our community and, and what you've been able to bring from a, a, a professional level and, you know, balancing that with your, with your faith and who you are has been brilliant. And, Tanil, yeah. I love you too. You're a true winner. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, totally. Um, I've said before, a little girl. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to cry now. <laughs> That's all right. We have tissues. We have tissues. <laughs> This is what it's about. Alex and others here and others that have been on the journey. Do you want me to do it? You do it. <laughs> Tanil, Tanil was a 15. Well, when did you come into our church? She was 15, and I'll never forget. I think it was pre-mobile phones, and I was in my lounge room, and I was probably in my 20s, so a long time ago. And I got this phone call from Tanil from a phone box. Can you come and get me? I'm hiding in the bushes. I'm hiding in the bushes. Can you come and get me? <laughs> and um, I went and got her, picked her up. We went home, and and we just loved her, and. We've spent years just on that journey together and seeing Tanil come out of um, generations of family violence and making choices literally every day to, to step up, literally every day, to step up and to, to change a culture of a family and a line of generations. And that's, that's what we're about as a church. Yes, it it's not just about foster care. It's about changing generations and changing it for the better and bringing light and being the light and bringing the light into our community and we've been placed um, in Moona but we don't see ourselves as just for Moona, we see ourselves as Hobart but we've been placed in this area for such a time as this and Tanila is testament of someone who was loved by the church who was carried by the church who um friendships and people just came around and story after story of people in this room I'm a testament to that as a 15 year old girl I was broken and rebellious and lost and gave my heart to Jesus and I said God I want to be your friend and I let myself be enveloped by the family of God and family the family of God means so much to me to this day it's probably why we're pastors well in my case because I understand the value of the family of God and the the beauty of the bride of Christ and how it can work. And um, this is what we're about as a church, I think. And I think this is, it's not just about foster care, you no, see? It's no, it's about loving and, and, and helping and, and understanding beyond the displayed behaviour. Because I had a lot of behaviours. She had some behaviours. <laughs> <laughs> she had some behaviours too. So, <laughs> anyway, I think um, time's getting on, Dave. Are you going to be able to pull okay. yourself I'm, together? I, I or can. We need to bring in the constabulary here. <laughs> I've got it. I've got it. You're right. Okay, thank you. Let's give them so, all a hand. So, well done, guys. You're all awesome. It says in Isaiah, and here's a prophetic word um, from God relating to people who, who were seeking to be religious and sort of do the right thing. 
and they're asking the question, how do we do it? How do, how do we do this? This is, this is before people had all that we had, before they understood that the grace and the love of Jesus dying on a cross meant that we had the opportunity to come right into the very presence and receive the love and the acceptance of God. This is before people fully knew that. And Isaiah says, what, what, what should our response be? And he says, learn to do good. Seek justice fight for the oppressed. We're on a journey as a church at the moment. Yesterday we had a, had a vision day where we were just together, a small group of us, key team, and looking at, looking at the future and, and, and the bigness of people's hearts for our city, for our state, for our community and, 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 and believing that, that we've been placed, not just our church, but Christians and, and, and how about to bring about permanent and generational change where we, we can actually, yeah, the problems by themselves seem too large, but we have a God who nothing is too large for. But we've got to choose to lean in and engage with the scary and the messy and the stuff that doesn't sit in a pretty little box. As, as we unpack vision over, over coming months, you'll hear more of that. <laughs> you'll, you'll hear the fact that actually we're being led to be more audacious in what we believe that God can do and what he's asking us to do and what he's asking you to do. It's exciting times. It'll be emotional times. It'll be messy times. It'll be broken times. But we have the great healer.